nowadays, when you're reading, listening, or watching the news, there's a lot of chatter about housing and the real estate market. A lot of the time, a lot of our time is spent talking about the impact of high interest rates and the impact they're having on the average homeowner or even small-time investors who are looking to renew. We don't spend a lot of time talking about developers, big developers. Some of them may be even household names here in Vancouver. We sometimes view them as the big boys. They can carry the debt. They've got deep pockets. Uh, At times, they're even mocked uh, by commentators as well. But they do play a significant role in our housing market here. Uh, They build these homes. They provide and supply our region with homes, all types of homes, single-family homes, condos, and townhouses. Now, earlier this year, we heard of one developer who had to restructure due to $700 million in outstanding debt. Recently, there have been significant rumors on social media that another domino was about to fall. Another well-known local developer, uh, some have said, is barely hanging on. Now, rumors are rife. I want to say that up front. I I won't uh, get into speculating about which developer or what might happen. But I do want to know what is going on in these companies as they deal with unprecedented increase in interest rates and a flat sales market at this particular point. Joining me now to talk about the issue is Michael Geller. He's president of the Geller Group. He's an architect, planner, and a real estate consultant. Michael, thank you for joining us today. Well, I think you invited me because you know that 40 years ago, my (laughs) company, Nayrod Developments, went under. Mm -hmm. And we, at the time, were one of the major companies, along with Dayon and Community Builders. Mm -hmm. But 21% interest rates... 21% for some of your listeners who can't imagine that. That's what we were paying on loans, and eventually we couldn't handle it. So what what is going on in the uh, boardrooms of these companies at this particular point? Each one's going to be a little... Each one's going to be a little different um, in the broader conversation, but what is going on in the boardrooms as they deal with the issue of debt probably, of uh, flat sales potentially, uh, and then of course you have the broader uh, issue of interest rates as well. What are they thinking? Well, there's no doubt that the interest rates today, even though they may be in the order of, well, prime is around just over 7%, which is a big number relative to where it was three or four years ago. But there's no doubt that companies are struggling to balance, on one hand, the need to take on projects because you have a machine that you need to feed. You Mm -hmm. have employees. You want to keep them working. You don't want to lose them, especially if you've got your own construction group. And on the other hand, worrying about whether or not these higher interest rates are going to deter certain segments of the market from buying. Um, Are most companies just waiting now if they can carry the debt and say we got to wait for six months eight months 12 months whatever it may be we're going to ride this out before we decide where to put our capital our dollars it makes a big difference when they bought the land if you bought the land a long time ago and if you have rather modest holding costs then it's easier to wait than if you bought the land at top of the market You've got a lot of debt on it at a very high interest rate because most lenders will not give a developer more than 50% of the value of that land as a loan. Mm -hmm. That makes a difference as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Is the high end of the market gone right now? No, I wouldn't say it's gone, but there's no doubt that the high end of the market was associated with a lot of foreign buyers, especially those extremely expensive penthouses and upper floor units. Mm -hmm. And having a ban, not just a foreign buyer's tax, but an actual ban 
since January of this year on foreign buyers getting into buying real estate in Canada. That's made a big difference, especially for that, certain segments of the market. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't want anybody to go bankrupt. I know sometimes there are folks that um, revel in the gossip because I always view these companies. At the end of the day, there's people working there. They've got bills to pay. They've got mortgages to pay. They're rent to pay. Um, But do you believe that we could see perhaps one or two high-profile companies, or not even high-profile, but just larger companies going down? Well, I'm afraid so. I think we will. I mean, the real estate market is very cyclical. As I say, 40 years ago, we were in difficulty in 2010, Mm -hmm. just before 2008. That was a difficult time for people. The interesting thing, though, is over time, real estate invariably goes up. (laughs) And so to those people wondering, you know, should I buy? I can't guarantee whether or not the price next year will be higher or lower. But I can guarantee that in 20 years, the price will probably be higher. Mm. And so that is an aspect of it. No, I think if we're going to be honest about it, with the, it's a sad irony that at a time when governments are looking at how to make it easier to get approvals and making zoning more flexible, a lot of developers are struggling to arrange financing for projects. The other problem they're facing is that for a number of years, municipalities have got used to getting payments from developers, what we call community amenity contributions, mm-hmm. to finance City Hall and... Uh, and and that in itself is part of the problem. Uh, so let's touch on the uh, on the former for a second. I think it was a Globe and Mail article a few weeks ago that fourteen thousand condominiums weren't going to be built, and I think a lot of them are just stuck in planning, or more so, the financing just isn't going to be that the business plan doesn't work. And I'm going to assume Vancouver's maybe not at that number, but pretty close in regards yeah. to what's sitting there that just doesn't make fiscal sense. Number one, do you think some of these plans uh, at the end of the day? could also be helped if the municipal governments held back on some of these these development cost charges and some of these other fees? I mean, could, could those push the projects into getting built, or is it just a question of right now it just doesn't work, doesn't matter what the municipal governments are going to do? Uh, Dan Fumano, the Vancouver Sun, did a story a, a couple of weeks ago about three major developers, big boys, who are asking the city to defer over $50 million in community mandate contributions. Mm-hmm. And I suggested to him that, sure, I'm always a, appearing to be on the side of the developer, but looking at it from government perspective, I thought it was wise for the city of Vancouver to agree to a deferral as to when those payments were made, because had those projects been going forward now, those developers would never have agreed to the $50-plus million dollars. There's no doubt that we have become so dependent on developers' contributions to finance growth and to finance other aspects of City Hall. That's a big part of the problem. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, our guest is Michael Geller, president of the Geller Group. He's an architect, planner, and real estate consultant. We're just talking about rumors that continue to float around this city about major developers in trouble. And like I said, I'm not getting into specific names, and they are just rumors. Um, But there was, of course, a conversation earlier this year about uh, one of those developers needing to restructure $700 million in debt. Um, It is a challenge out there. I know uh, if you're um, just having to renew your mortgage, you don't want to hear about big developers, and I get that, but uh, these developers 
developers also help with the supply in our city, and we do need to build more housing as well. But call me on the open line. Um, one of the things I did throw out is that, you know, should we be, the cities be maybe pulling back a little bit on those community amenity contributions, or to defer them perhaps in regards to getting some of these some of this housing built in our city. 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell phone. Michael Geller is here. Let's go to the open line. Let's go to Ryan in Vancouver. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Jazz. I just wanted to mention uh, that uh, your your hometown and my former hometown in Delta, the agenda for the new council meeting is out, and it has a 60% increase in development charges on it that they're considering. That seems like very poor timing, to, to me at least. So would you agree? Well, I, I think the term they're using is growth paying for growth, uh, which is, uh, uh, and I've had the mayor, uh, the mayor on the show uh, because he was pushing back on, on the federal government uh, after they pulled out of an agreement with, I think it was Burnaby and Surrey. Michael, your thoughts on this? I mean, is that alone, these development cost charges or community benefit agreements, are they going to be able to get some of these projects past the finish line? There's no doubt that there may need to be some concessions, but there's a bigger conversation that we must have, which is how do we finance growth? Is it right to be charging the people who are buying these new homes the higher fees, and they're the ones who are paying them to pay for growth, or should we go back to the way we did it 60 years ago when basically municipalities borrowed money or issued bonds, Mm -hmm. they put in place the infrastructure... And then it was paid off over 20 years, but everybody paid it, both the existing residents and the new residents. The point right now is we just don't simply want to charge higher taxes to every existing resident, although there's no doubt those who bought beautiful homes for $47,000 in Surrey many years ago are in a better position to pay higher taxes than the people buying these brand new homes. Yeah, and that's, I think you raise a very good point. I understand they want to balance uh, the tax tax burden between business and the average citizen. And they think it's it's too much focused on, or too much of it is falling on the average citizen and with big expenses coming in the billions of dollars, they want to even that out. But you're right. Ultimately, if you pass it on to a developer, you're really passing on to the buyer at the end of the day. Uh, and that's the challenge. Let's go to uh, Steve in Coquitlam. Hi, Steve. Hi. Yeah, I was just curious. Um, you're, uh, you're a person that's on there right now is saying about uh, foreign buyers coming up and buying penthouses and stuff like that. Well, that's all true. And if you look at, I don't know how I'm going to say this without being, oh, anyways, I'll say it. At Lougheed Mall, for instance, that whole area has been redeveloped. It all bought up by foreign buyers. It bought up by Koreans. They bought up the Best Western that was there, the entire property that was there, and Lougheed Mall as well, and Brentwood Mall as well, and down a Marine Driver as well. If you look at the demographics and the people that are living there, mm-hmm. it's not B.C., <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Everything's changed there. You look at the stores and you look at everything. And if it's for BC for BC people to afford to buy these apartments, mm-hmm. well, they're selling to the wrong people. Steve, they're just they, going for the highest bidder. That's all they're doing. Steve, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. I mean, first of all, I think it's hard to gauge that they're all foreign buyers. They may be Canadians of Asian descent right. at the end of the day, number one. <clears throat> number two, we sometimes forget, and I don't want to change the subject, there's a lot of local investors who buy the one condo because they've saved some money, perhaps they want to pass it on to their kids. But uh, you say there's a foreign buyer's ban. I mean, sometimes there's ways around that, and I, I'm not going to debate that. Yes, it is. But I think at the end of the day, foreign buyers aren't, in regards to the broad buyer, 
They're a small portion of it at the end of the they're day. A small, so. They're a small portion, and what's often forgotten is that they'll buy units as investments, which they then rent out to somebody who's been here all their life. So, And in fact, when you start to lose some of those investors, and I know there's a lot of people listening to us right now saying, I wish all those investors got out of the marketplace. If they get out of the marketplace, we won't see new projects being built. And the reason for that is the banks want a demonstration that there's a market for a project long before the construction starts. And most homeowners or potential homeowners aren't people who are willing to... uh, by two or three years in advance. The investors are, so we need them. Michael Geller, as always, thank you for your time. My pleasure.